2: Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Denver Broncos. This is the Broncos Wire podcast powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary and Broncos Wire editor, John Heath.
3: All right, John, I think some good news and some bad news, right? I think the good news for Broncos fans is there's only one game left in what has been kind of a brutal, brutal season for the Broncos. There's been a lot of factors that have played into that, and we'll we'll talk about that as the show goes on. But the bad news is that this is going to be our 18th and final Broncos Wire podcast of the 2020 season. It's been, I'll just come out and say it right at the top, it's been a fun doing the show, but this is going to be our season wrap-up show. The Broncos will be done after week 17, so... We're going to wrap up the season now. And John has been fun doing this with you for 18 weeks in a row.
4: Yeah, it's been very enjoyable it's, from a football perspective. It's been like a loss season uh, for the Broncos and for fans has been really disappointing to watch, but it's still fun to watch on Sunday afternoons. Even if the team, isn't good. It's still fun to sit back and watch football. It's fun to hop on a podcast and talk about football. And it's fun to pull up a podcast and listen to about a team <laughs> you're passionate about. And like, with the Broncos it's just it feels like it's a lost season because it feels like we didn't really learn much. Like with Drew Locke, there's still uncertainty. Like we didn't find out for sure. It's not like okay for sure he's not the guy we're moving on. And it's not okay for sure he's not or for sure he is the guy. We don't need to get someone else. It's still like in limbo. It's like I don't want to give up on him too early. But also, I don't want to stick with him if he's not the guy. You know what I mean? That kind of thing.
3: I do. Like, I think it's a great take. Yeah, I, I get you. I got you. We've
4: got like we've got these young guys. Like we got Courtland Sutton, but he missed the whole year. We got Bradley Chubb, but he was a little banged up too. We got Jerry Judy, but he's been having his drop issues. We got KJ Hamler, but he hasn't really been able to stay healthy. So like. There's like this young core that's exciting. And for the future, it's like, well, hopefully in the future, it gives them a good outlook. But for this year, like it just wasn't good enough. Just like, as you mentioned, we'll, we'll get into it. Just so many things went wrong. It's just it feels like 2020 kind of just like life in general. It was just kind of a lost year for the Broncos, at least. And it's, it's just kind of a disappointment. And honestly, it's kind of a relief for the the Broncos football season becoming to an end it's kind of like putting the Broncos out of their football season misery
3: yeah no I, I think uh, I like a lot of what you do I can tell you're a writer John because the way you put that was very I like how you put that it is a lost season and we didn't learn enough and I think that is frustrating and there's a few things that I want to get to and we'll, we'll talk about that coming up but I think uh, one of the big stories that has that have come out since the Chargers loss is the Broncos kind of they're going to give Vic Fangio the benefit of the doubt, right? There was injuries. There's a nationwide pandemic. Uh, I think the Broncos have been hit by both of those. But reports are that Vic Fangio is expected to return in 2021. So if if anyone thought he was on the hot seat, I know we've talked about that at various times this year. It sounds like he's going to be back. I agree with that. I think it'd be short-sighted to, to get rid of him at this point. And a lot of things went against the Broncos. And I think Cortland Sutton getting injured on offense and, Von Miller getting injured on defense are two of the, the keys there. But there's no doubt about it. Fangio, John, will be coaching for his job next year. Uh, he's going to have to – the Broncos are going to have to be a better football team next year. You know, five, six wins is not going to cut it. And Fangio is going to have to get better at his uh, late-game decision-making and some of that stuff uh, next season. So just like we want to see a jump in Drew Locke's play and some of these young guys, I think Vic Fangio is going to have to prove to us that he's a good head coach. We know he's a great defensive coordinator but is he a good head coach right i think he's going to be coaching to prove that next year
4: man ryan you took the words right out of my mouth <laughs> sorry about that my every man single thing every single thing i was going to say i completely agree with everything you said because like i like obviously the record of the last two years hasn't been good enough but like you don't want to make an excuses, and like you don't want the coaches to make excuses. But like there are excuses, like you said, that so many guys got hurt. they their top playmaker on offense, their top pass rusher on defense, and like like you said, like I feel like three years is like a good time in football to get a good evaluation. Like one of a quarterback and two of a coach. Like if Fangio Denson turn thing around, turn things around next year, and they're like at least very much competing for a playoff spot, then it's like, okay, he had three years and he couldn't get it done or moving on. And like Locke, if he doesn't show life and starts to uh, clean up his play and not be so mistake prone, then it's like, okay, we're moving on from Locke. But I feel like you want to give them both – Hopefully there's more of a normal off season this year and hopefully guys get healthy and they don't like this year, the number of injuries and the number of key guys that got injured was just crazy. So hopefully they don't have that happen in back-to-back seasons. That would be really crazy if it did. it, It seems unlikely to have a repeat of that. So hopefully healthier next year. Hopefully COVID has calmed down a little bit more next year. So yeah, I completely agree. He's had like his game management problems but the defense has been pretty good overall and and like he's not the one that built the roster like he didn't and he's not the one that made the final decision to draft true lock so like he only can work with what he's been given and then like injuries and covid like stuff like that's out of his control so like he hasn't done a perfect job at all i acknowledge that but with the cards that he's been dealt i think he's done a decent job and hope you're hoping that next year under better circumstances the team takes a step forward under him and then like you said if they don't take a step forward then it's like okay next year we'll talk about moving on or whatever but as of this moment they're not doing that they're going to stick with him going in next year and i agree with you that it's the right decision
3: yeah i don't think Fangio has been a zero uh, and I don't think it's time to to get rid of him yet. Too many things working against the Broncos this year that Fangio could not control. There were some things he could control that I, I will nitpick on a little bit later. but you you talked about it, John. It's not all his fault. He, he you know, he doesn't hold all the cards. Some of these cards are, are, are dealt for him and speaking of John Elway uh, his con- so you uh, reported about or or you wrote about how Elway's contract is set to expire after the 2021 season so that puts the Broncos in a really interesting spot where they get to decide if they want to continue with this freaking franchise legend that the fans love and the organization loves and everyone loves John Elway and, and whether you not whether or not you want to you think he's doing a good job in his role I mean he did bring the Broncos a Super Bowl title I know it's been tough the last few years obviously the last four years have been tough losing seasons so it's it's this has been hard but do you think fans want him around long term and what do you think the organization is thinking right now John just off the just your gut feeling
4: yeah you just said that everyone loves John Elway and honestly everyone in Denver John Elway the quarterback they do love him but of late it seems like there's been more and more fans that are not uh, keen on John Elway, the general manager. Like I've yeah. seen – I don't know if it's a majority of people, but I've seen a lot of people calling for him to be fired. And I, I just don't think they're going to fire him in part because he's John Elway and in part because uh, Joe Ellis is the team president and CEO. But while the ownership situation is kind of in limbo, he's basically acting as the owner. And I don't think he's going to want to make a real big decision like that that has big implications and then bring in a replacement GM that has big implications too, uh, especially like in an ideal world, hopefully like at the end of 2021 season or yeah, the 2021 season going into 2022, hopefully around that time uh, in an ideal world, they would have an ownership situation sort out either from the team being sold or one of Pat Dolan's children taking over. So I think with – with that uncertainty hanging in the air, I don't think Ellis is going to make the kind of decision to like fire LA after this season. I don't think that's going to happen. And I also kind of doubt that they would give him an extension like in, in the summer or something to, because uh, a lot of times when you only have one year left on your contract, that's when deals get done to bring an extension. Cause you don't want it to go right up to the end. And then the person walk and go somewhere else, unless you're just not, uh, unless you're not happy with the job they're doing, but then you can just fire them. But, I don't think they're firing him, and I don't think they're necessarily extending him. I think Alice will just wait and see how the ownership situation sorts out before they make any big decisions like that.
3: Yeah, you know, for a lost season, there is a lot of interesting things going on behind the scenes with the Broncos, with the coach, the quarterback, the GM, you know. It's just like, man, there's all kinds of things going on. We're going to talk about it here throughout the show, and including... Kind of wrapping up the season. What went wrong for the Broncos? I think there's three key things that went wrong for the Broncos, and John and I will talk about that coming up next.
2: Fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends. Sit up, start up. These are the fantasy picks of the week. It will kill me if this game ends at a tie. I need this win. This game's pretty much done. With Corey Bonini from theHuddle.com.
5: Corey Benigni of thehuddle.com here to talk to you about strong plays for week 17 of the fantasy football season. This week, I'm not crazy about any of the quarterback plays. I usually recommend fringe options rather than the obvious, and none of the guys jump out as somebody I'm really willing to get behind. So instead, you'll get a two-pack of wide receivers this week. Green Bay Packers running back A.J. Dillon at the Chicago Bears. May seem like a no-brainer after he ripped off 124 yards and two scores in week 16, but the Boston College rookie could have a bigger workload again this week. Running back Jamal Williams has a quadriceps injury he was out last week and it really doesn't make a lot of sense to rush him especially if they want him back for the playoff push the big body Dylan is an ideal asset in cold weather in late season football and starting running back Aaron Jones is banged up as well Chicago has given up four rushing touchdowns in the last five games Indianapolis Colts wide receiver Zach Pascal in consecutive games Pascal has had at least 64 yards and one or more touchdowns he has six targets apiece in those games the resurgence of wide receiver T.Y. Hilton has helped tremendously something else that will help facing the Jacksonville Jaguars it's more or less a modern miracle that the Chicago Bears didn't find the end zone last week. In the prior six games, wide receivers have scored nine times through the air and nine different times the wide receivers produce at least 15.8 PPR points in that window. Washington football team wide receiver Terry McLaurin is looking unlikely to play again, which would thrust wide receiver Cam Sims into a prominent role. With all the chips at stake, it's hard to imagine riverboat Ron Rivera wouldn't gamble on seeing what he has in Alex Smith even if he's less than 100%, considering Taylor Heineke is the only other option. Philadelphia has been atrocious against wide receivers in 2020, and the position has racked up five performances of at least 121 yards in the last six outings. Nine touchdowns later, Philadelphia gives Sims a favorable opponent for utilizing his 6'5 frame. Kansas City Chiefs tight end Nick Kaiser against the Los Angeles Chargers. The Chiefs are going to rest all of their prominent starters, which means tight end Travis Kelsey won't play much, if at all. That leaves Kaiser to exploit a tremendous matchup. Five players have at least 11.2 PPR points in the last nine games against the Chargers, and six of the 10 touchdowns allowed have come in the past nine games. For more award-winning content from thehuddle.com, be sure to check out the website throughout the offseason as we get you prepared for Fantasy Football 2021.
0: Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh,
1: human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast... Set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: So, John, what went wrong for the Broncos? Well, number one... Injuries. You cannot ignore injuries. I don't think, you know, I don't think Vic Fangio or the team have really come out and said this is why we suck, guys. We, we'll look at all our injuries. I think I saw an article where there's 16 combined Pro Bowls on IR right now for the Broncos. I know the Pro Bowl rosters came out recently. That's just bananas. A lot of key guys. On IR, we mentioned Vaughn Miller, Cortland Sutton. The list goes on and on and on. Just so many key guys hurt, and there's nothing you could do about that. And it's just bad luck. That's just getting played a crap hand, and that's definitely. I don't. I wouldn't put it on the top of the list, but that's definitely something that has hampered the team. And I think the pandemic did as well. Right? When you think about the Denver Broncos this year, we've talked about it all year, John, about the young offense drew Locke, jerry judy even noah fant and hamler and this is a young like there's a lot of young guys in key positions and you get a second year coach and you got guys thrusted in different positions on defense due to the injuries and you're in a national pandemic trying to navigate that thing with young guys and a young head coach or i guess i should say in, in, Vic fangio is not that young he's not a spring chicken or anything so an inexperienced well, head in coach. terms
4: of a head coach he is.
3: Yeah, yeah exactly in, experience i should say experience But, you know, navigating a pandemic with youth and we saw what happened with the quarterbacks. Now, Kendall Hinton and his wristband are famous. They're going to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Broncos fans are always going to remember that the NFL made them play a football game without a freaking quarterback because of that thing. And then, you know, the Broncos lost what was scheduled to be their bye week. Right. So all all these things happen because of the pandemic. I think that's on the list. But for me, number one, and it's at the forefront, is just bad playing and bad coaching. And we've talked about Drew Locke. John, he's only completed 57% of his passes, and he's got to fix that. I mean, you can't complete that kind of number. In today's NFL, you can't complete below 60% of your throws. He's worse in the league at that, 57%. He's got to fix that during the offseason. He's obviously not going to fix that in Week 17. Uh, Too many interceptions. He... We've been talking about it all year. He does it on the first drive of the game. It's so maddening. Did it again against the Chargers. 15 interceptions on the year. That's a league lead with uh, Carson Wentz. 15 interceptions in 12 games. Not good, right? So simply put, Drew Locke's got to be better. And I think Fangio has to be better, too. Uh, I, I mentioned this a little bit. Some extremely questionable decisions. I go back to week one. Remember how uh, one of our first shows together, John, I was losing my mind on this show about Vic Fangio's clock management. He freaking let Mike Vrabel run the clock all the way down so their idiot kicker could finally make one. Remember their kicker had missed five field goals or something? And he finally, yep. Yeah, and they finally kicked the game winner because Fangio let them run the clock all the way down. And then the Patriots game too where you know, Fangio's letting Locke throw deep balls into coverage where the Patriots have a good secondary and they're intercepting Locke and it kept the Patriots in that game for longer than they should have. The Kansas City Chiefs where I thought he was a little bit too conservative when he had to be aggressive against Patrick Mahomes and I think over and over again I saw Fangio being too conservative when he should have been aggressive and then vice versa. So I think Fangio has a lot to learn too. And and those are the three things, I think. Injuries, the pandemic, and then just crappy football. <laughs> and that's that's why the Broncos are five and ten and kind of lamenting another lost season. But what do you think about that?
4: Yeah, I'm I'm with you on those three being the big three for sure. And I might quibble a little bit with the order. Like I definitely agree Locke was not good enough at all. Like now that Wentz is benched, if Locke throws one interception on Sunday, he's the Interception leader of the season, and that's just not acceptable. And it's, it's glorious, not only yeah, interceptions, right. like wh- he, he's he been fumbling as well. Like, he's got to start doing better protecting the ball. It's just, and as you mentioned, like Fangio's had his game management problems, Fangio's got to do a better job being a head coach. But, like, I agree, those got to improve. But I'm not sure that I would put them as the number one reason. I honestly think that I might put injuries as the number one reason that the Broncos season went south. Because before the season even started, they lost – like, it's beating a dead horse because we keep mentioning it. But, like, Cortland Sutton, he made the Pro Bowl last year, and he's their number one receiver. And if Cortland Sutton is playing the full season this year, then teams don't focus on Jerry Judy so much. And if you have Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy and K.J. Hamler and Tim Patrick, who had a real nice season, and Noah Fant and Albert O, he also got hurt. He was looking really nice at tight end. Like – I'm not saying that Locke would have not turned the ball over because he still would have turned the ball over. That's just been a problem for him. But maybe like his completion percentage is higher because he throws uh, like he throws to Sutton more than anyone else. And Sutton has like much more reliable hands than Judy. And then when he's throwing to Sutton more and there's fewer incompletions, like maybe they're able to run the ball more. And like maybe when they're able to run the ball more and establish the lead then they can pass rush more and if von miller's healthy maybe him and chubb on either side are racking up sacks and the defense is even better than it was this year like the defense was good but there were a couple games where they just gave up way too many points and it's because games got out of hand and then the broncos had to try to throw to catch up and then teams just ran down the broncos throat and then you're obviously not pass rushing when teams are running all over you because they've built a lead so like I agree. The coaching needs to be better and Locke needs to be better. But I think if they didn't have all those key injuries, we would have been talking like it wouldn't be. I don't think it would be so different that they'd be going to the playoffs. I think that's unrealistic, but I don't think I would be as bummed out at the end of the year saying, oh, that was such a lost season. I think I would be much more optimistic saying, yeah, the offense looked pretty promising. Like, yeah, Locke turned it over too much but he's got a ton of weapons and yeah, the defense, they played pretty well and man, they can get off the quarterback. And like, I still kind of feel like that to an extent. I just feel like it would be better if not for all those injuries. And I, I don't mean to like make a bunch of excuses. I feel like mm-hmm. I do that. I'm not, I think it's like the optimist in me. You're allowed to, John, you're
3: I, allowed to say the injuries are the number one thing. I have no problem yeah. with it. The players and the coach can't and they haven't. And I give them credit for that, but you're allowed to say the injuries are the number one thing. You, you're fine.
4: Yeah. I, I think I would put injuries one and poor play by lock and just poor play in general and poor uh, coaching too. And then pandemic three, but I don't mean to say that like the pandemic once in a big impact, because it was big impact just among those three, I would put it three because it did impact them. Like before the season even started, Juwan James, he was going to be their starting right tackle and they paid him a ton of money two years ago. And he opted out of the season. Like if he's playing right tackle and if he's playing better and lock has more time is not running around. Cause he just got pressure in his, face off the right side like you know what I mean like that the like butterfly effect like if James mm-hmm. does opt out how different is the season if if they can have a normal training camp and normal OTAs like does Locke cut out some of those mistakes because he had more time with Pat Shermer like Pat Shermer was he was his first year offensive coordinator with the Broncos like how so yeah like COVID is an impact injuries are an impact and then just performance and coaching I'm right with you all three of those it just sunk the Broncos season and hopefully going into 2021, things will get better, things will get different, and the Broncos get back to their winning ways and start competing for the playoffs again.
3: Let's reset it, right? Let's get Fangio and Shermer and Locke, everybody's together for another year. Let's have a real offseason, and let's reset it and see what happens, see if it looks better. And if it doesn't, then it's time to blow it up. Um. That's, exactly. that's, that's kind of where we're at. So, so very interesting. I thought that was, that, that was a fun segment. And now let's go ahead and look at... The Broncos free agents for twenty twenty one. We'll do that in our final segment here. And I think there's some interesting obviously some big names on this list. Some high price guys, some some lower level guys, some guys that aren't making a lot of money, like a Philip Lindsay that are gonna be free agents. That are some some interesting decisions the team's gonna have to make, right, John, this offseason. Let's talk about that coming up next. <laughs>
2: It's that time again for the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire.
0: Hello, I'm Eston McLaren of sportsbookwire.com and Bet and Podcast joined as always by Jeff Clark, here to break down everything you need to know to bet on the week 17 Sunday night football game between the Washington football team and Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles are one and a half point home underdogs. They're eliminated from the playoffs. Washington come in one and a half point favorite. They're looking for a win to secure an NFC East title and a playoff berth. But Jeff, I got to go with the Eagles. I like what we've seen from Jalen Hurts. We got quarterback issues in Washington. A lot of other issues as well. Jalen Hurts can improve that Eagles team from that loss. They took against Washington week one. Yeah, as much as i like to disagree with you, I can't hear. I'm also on the Eagles plus one and a half. Their team's trending up despite a disappointing 2020 season. Now they turn the keys of the offense over to Jalen Hurts. And you know what they say, misery likes company. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles have been miserable for most this year since being eliminated from playoff contention. Now they get the end Washington season. I think that's motivation enough for them to come and rain on Washington's possible parade on Sunday Night Football. So give me the Eagles plus one and a half. You can get Philadelphia plus 100 on the money line as well for a little better value. Go ahead and parlay that with the under 42 and a half, minus 105 odds there. So be a low-scoring game, won by the Eagles. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of
1: uh, human remains that are left Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: So, John, as I mentioned, the Broncos have a long list. Of 2021 free agents. They're going to have to make some calls on these guys. Uh, Von Miller's contract's coming up, right? I mean, I think they got a club option on him, if I'm not mistaken. But it goes all the way from a guy like Von Miller to, you know, other key guys. Justin Simmons, Shelby Harris. You know, these are key guys on the team that they're going to have to figure out. Elijah Wilkinson, right? They're going to have to figure out what they're going to do with these guys. And then also down the list is your favorite player, Philip Lindsey, right? He's going to be a restrictive free agent. And that'll be interesting. What does the team do with a guy like him? Very uncertain, right? So, I mean, you got Melvin Gordon coming back, but he's going to have to serve a suspension. The Broncos, if they let Lindsey go, they're going to have to bring in someone to play running back while Gordon's doing his freaking suspension. But that's going to be frustrating next year to start the year. There's no doubt about that. So when you kind of go through this big list of free agents, who do you think are the most important? Who do you want to see the Broncos retain? And maybe we'll start with Philip Lindsay. What do you think about him?
4: Yeah, with Lindsay, it's nice for the team that he's a restricted free agent because then they can just put a tender on him. And a second-round tender this year was a little more than $3 million, And I'm not sure what it will be in 2021, but I'm pretty sure it will be around that same pa- ballpark of around $3 million. And for a guy that's rushed for 1,000 yards two different times in his career, I feel like $3 million is not too much pay for a running no, back. It'll be a nice raise and,
3: for him, too. He'd like that. Yeah.
4: Yeah, he he's only made 2 million his first or a little under 2 million his first 3 years in the NFL. Yeah, That's I kind of nothing. Feel, I feel for him. <laughs> yeah, it's nothing compared to what they gave Melvin Gordon. So, uh, he deserves a raise and it, in the grand scheme of things it wouldn't be a ton of money from the team's cap perspective to give him. And then if they gave him that second round tender, and another team was like, okay, we'll give you $4 million a year, and the Broncos didn't want to match that. That team has to give the Broncos their second-round pick. So like, if, even though I really like Phillip Lindsey, from my perspective, that's great. Like, I would take a second-round pick from him, and I highly doubt any team would be willing to give that up. Agreed. So I think if, if they place a second-round tender on him, it's pretty certain he's coming back at a very manageable uh, cost. And like you mentioned, with Gordon going to be suspended probably the first three games of the next season, you got to have somebody reliable. Like, unless they're picking like a second or third round running back, it's going to be very nice to have someone like Lindy on the roster for the first three weeks of the season. And even Gordon himself, he has a little bit of contract uncertainty because I think because he uh, he did like contract debt. Dead- or conduct detrimental to the team there's a clause in his contract where they can void the guaranteed salary in his contract so they could move on from him and all they would owe his only cap hit would be his prorated signing bonus which i think would be like two million so if they cut gordon they would have a net salary cap savings of seven million and if they keep gordon his cap hit will be nine million so I don't know if nine million versus seven seven million. If they'll really think about it that much, because even though his fumbles were frustrating and him having an off-field incident, that's frustrating too. But like on the field besides those fumbles that were earlier in the season, like lately he's protected the ball much better. It's been pretty good. He has. Had, it's been pretty yeah. Good. He's had a productive year. Like he's facing a bad Raiders run defense on Sunday and he needs just over a hundred yards to have a thousand yard season. Like, and, and he's close to like 10 touchdowns, which is respectable. So I think they will be happy with his production. And I think they will be willing to bring him back. And with him expected to be suspended the first few, three weeks, bringing back Lindsey on a one-year tender I think makes a lot of sense just because, like you mentioned, he deserves a raise like that. It's not even a ton of money, and you're going to need him, especially for the first three weeks of the season. And then besides the backfield, I think their number one priority would be and should be uh, Justin Simmons, the safety. He's he's one of the better safeties in the NFL, I think. I'm biased, but I think he's one of the better safeties in the NFL – and uh, they, they wanted to get a deal with him last summer, and they just couldn't get it done before the franchise tag deadline. And it seemed like they were pretty close. It, it once in that. I think there was like two or three million difference between what the Broncos wanted to pay and what his agent wanted. And I was just like, I, I guess this is like from the fan perspective. I was just like, just pay him that much money. Like, is it really that much difference from a cap perspective, like $3 million? Now you got to win
3: know. the negotiation, John. You got to win the negotiation. Yeah, they
4: – Elway and his guys, they are so brutal in negotiations. that That's why, like, they lost uh, guys like uh, Derek Wolf and Von Miller and uh, – uh, or not, not Von Miller, excuse me. They lost Derek Wolfe and Chris Harris, mm. and they've lost other – like, they're brutal. They're – like, I'm a little worried that they might even move on from Von Miller this offseason. I feel like they're definitely going to go to him and say, look, we're not going to have you have – A $20 million cap hit when you're coming off a serious injury, and the year before that, you only had eight sacks. And like that's, I feel like with him getting up in age, it's a fair point to make, but it's just a matter of okay, then what are you going to pay him and what is Miller going to be willing to accept? And are you going to cut him? Are you going to trade him? Is he going to take a pay cut? So Miller will be interesting to follow as well. But I would put number one, Justin Simmons, and number two, the defensive lineman, Shelby Harris. He's so good at batting down passes. And they brought him back at somewhat of a discount this year. He lasted really long in free agency. I was surprised nobody scooped him up. And they kind of brought him back on a bargain deal. I don't know if that will happen again because he's kind of had another good season this year. So I don't know if teams want to see him have back-to-back good years before they throw money at him. But regardless of how other teams view him, I think Justin Simmons is number one. Shelby Harris is number two. And I think it's a no-brainer to put a second-round tender on Lindsey. And Miller, I hope that they are able to figure out something with him that doesn't involved him going to another team
3: some good stuff there john unfortunately as the broncos are sputtering to the finish line you and i are just hitting our stride here on, <laughs> on unfortunately the last episode of the season so it's been a, it's been a blast man it's been a blast as we wrap up the show here um i guess i've never been to colorado it's definitely on my bucket list but i will say this if you if you ever come and visit new hampshire you got to come to see. You got to come see Portsmouth, New Hampshire, in the summer. Come in the summer, because don't come in the don't come right now in the winter. It's freaking terrible in the winter. But come in the summer, and uh, make sure you let me know and uh, show you around Portsmouth sometime. If you're ever in New England for whatever reason, make sure you hit me up. But who knows, man? Maybe we'll be back next year. You know, hopefully this is just the uh, season finale and not the series finale of the Broncos Wire podcast. Who knows, right? But hopefully this was well received and we can keep going next year. That's what I'm hoping.
4: Yeah, man, I really appreciate that offer. I'll, if I'm in that area, I'll try to take you up on that. And I really enjoyed uh, this podcast season, like you said. I hope that it continues next season. And I don't know if maybe we'll do any like draft or free agency stuff. I don't know what the plans are, but if that happens, I'll be up for it, and I'll be happy to work with you again. Thank you for a fun season.
3: No, yeah, no, it's been it's been a blast. I'll miss talking to you each week, John. There's no doubt about it. So. With that, we're going to wrap up the Broncos Wire podcast for 2020. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. And, John, Happy New Year, my man.
2: Thank you. You too.